listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. So about six weeks or so ago, my wife Amelia and I were feeling a little down, uh, realizing that we thought it was just going to be the three of us for Christmas, uh, she and I and our youngest daughter, Isabel who would be coming home. And I was just, you know, our older kids have grown up and become young adults and they've got extended families. And, you know, so we, we understand that. But it's just, you know, you, there's just something about Christmas, right? You, you want to have family around. You want to feel like it's home. So we started thinking and I thought, well, you know, I could invite my stepmom. And Amelia thought, well, I could invite my parents. And I don't remember if we connected with each other on that or not, but we both asked them and they both, all three of them said yes. And then we found out that our younger son, Daniel, would actually have time to come in tonight and tomorrow morning with his wife on the way up to Goshen to see her family. And then our youngest, Isabel, told us that, oh, yeah, our oldest, Jackie, and her husband are going to be with us for Christmas. They just hadn't told us yet. Uh, so now all of a sudden we went from the three of us to like eight of us and Isabel was also bringing home her cat for Christmas and we had just adopted a kitten three months ago so now we've got like eight or ten people in a menagerie of animals and it's great but you know we kind of wondered is there like an average we could find in here somewhere like uh, maybe we could coordinate who's coming in when and uh, but it, it was great. Uh, and, and we're thankful to have a house full because there's something about Christmas. There's something about the holidays that makes us want to feel like it's home and, and people are a big part of that. Uh, Christmas raises all these kind of longings and expectations in us, right? All these traditions, like it's supposed to happen this way and it should look like this. And there's something about it that, that makes it feel like it's, it's right and maybe that's, there, there's all this emotion wrapped up in Christmas, right? There, there's all this emotional weight and expectation that's part of it, uh, even if we can't really define it. There's, there's just this longing in us for, for something that feels like home, something that feels right, something that feels settled, something that feels like the way things ought to be. We've been in this series in Advent called Coming Home for Christmas, and we're focusing on that in the season of Advent, uh, which just means the, the coming or appearing of something important, uh, because we, like many Christians, look at this season before Christmas as the, the preparation for celebrating something important, which is Jesus being born into this world. And we've been talking about this idea of coming home for Christmas for, well, for several reasons. There's this longing inside of us to be home, a place where we're known, a place where we're loved, a place where we belong, a place where, where we matter, and it matters whether we're there or not. And, uh, you know, as, as a practical matter, you know, we all want to be home at Christmas or something that feels like home. Many of you have spent a lot of money or driven many hours to be with loved ones at Christmas. And at the same time, that more deeply, there's that ache, that longing that we have to, to feel like we're home, to feel like 
we're where we ought to be and things are the way they ought to be. And, and that, that ache, that desire, it points back to something, in fact, that we used to have, but we've lost. You see, the Bible tells us about that. It tells us that we were created by God to live in his presence. God created everything, and, and he created it good, and, and he created a paradise, and, and he made humans in his image to live in that perfect environment with him. I mean, think about it. To be with God with no shame, no regret, no fear, no threats, no danger, no stress, no doubt. And our relationships with one another were like that too. I mean, Christmas is great, but there can be some stress and frustration and doubt and fear and uncertainty around all that. But that's not what God made us for. And, and being made in his image, we were created to demonstrate to the world what he is like. We're made to do the kinds of things that he does so that as people spread out over the, the face of the earth, that God's intent is that we would spread the kind of goodness and creativity and delight and joy and peace that he created for us and he created us to know. As we heard in Psalm 90, the Psalm of Moses, we know, or at least we sense deep down that, that there's a God who is everlasting, who is eternal, unlike us. And so if we're ever going to find home, it's going to be connected to knowing that God in some way, a God who is from everlasting to everlasting. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose a different path, the Bible again tells us. They decided and told God, we don't want your path for us. We're going to decide for ourselves what we're worth and what we ought to do and where we should go and how we should live and we're going to go our own way. We like your blessings. This is a wonderful paradise you've created for us, but we just don't want you. And so they threw off all the boundaries and all the commitments that come with any kind of a loving, meaningful relationship. That connection with God was broken. And so humanity is now living out this story of exile, of homelessness, of wandering, searching for something that will satisfy that longing, that need, that desire that we were built for. And what we really long for is God to satisfy us with his steadfast love, that we might rejoice and be glad all our days. And yet, when we look at our lives honestly, we can see that we're all looking for that satisfaction in all kinds of other things. We collect stuff to fill our homes, and we collect relationships to try and fill our hearts, and, and we collect adventures and experiences to delight our senses. Sometimes, we, you know, we gather positive affirmations. Maybe, you know, if we tell ourselves loudly enough and, and often enough that we really can do it, Maybe we can make heaven on earth. Maybe we can be our own saviors. But Matthew's gospel that we heard brings us actual good news. That God himself will come to all of us who are exiled, who are on the outside. 
and a virgin will bear a son who will be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There's a hope, a light of hope in the darkness. You know, the problem is not that we're lost. The problem is that we walked away on purpose, right? We left God behind. We left the garden behind. We left paradise behind. And we cannot get there again by ourselves. The way is closed. Partly because, yes, we broke God's law. We, We violated his commandments. But more than breaking God's law, they they broke his heart. They broke the relationship, right? And if you break a law, you can pay a fine. You you go to prison. You do community service. You 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 do something. But that's not just what Adam and Eve did. They they broke the connection that they had with God. They said, "We don't want you anymore." And turned their backs and walked away out of the home, out of the identity and the purpose and the love and the peace that that they were meant to know. You know, when a a law is broken, you can make restitution somehow, but when a relationship is broken, how do you fix that? I mean, there's there's no fine that you're going to pay. No no imprisonment is ever going to right that wrong or bring about forgiveness or accomplish reconciliation. It takes love. It, it takes a change of mind. You know, when my brothers and I, when we were kids and we'd get into fights with each other, we ended up hearing the same thing from our parents that we ended up telling our kids, you know, calm down. And of course, we each wanted to argue our own case and who was right. And, and our parents would gen, generally say like, well, you both contributed to this. and You need to apologize to each other. And our kids gave us kind of the same response that we go, I don't want to apologize. No, make him apologize to me first. Nobody wants to take the first step. Nobody, nobody wants to apologize and mean it, right? It's sort of like the story of the kid who kept getting up from the dinner table and standing up and wandering around. And finally the parents said, just sit down. And the kid said, all right, but I'm standing on the inside. You know, the hope when we ask our kids to apologize to one another is that taking that step, helping them take that step and express the words will lead to them seeing what they've contributed and to genuine repentance and reconciliation. Somebody has to take the first step, right? I mean, think about how many relationships are broken in the world, maybe in your own life, because... Nobody's willing to take the first step, and we're just stuck. And the Bible is saying that's us with God. God knows that we would never love him first, that we would never choose him, that that we would never come back to him, that we would never own up to what we have done. And so he took the first step, even though he had done nothing wrong himself. In love, he chose us. The, the homeless ones, the, the broken ones, the lost ones, the ones who willingly turned their backs on him. God comes to us, not as a judge, not as, not as a, a policeman, not as a lawgiver to condemn us. God reached out to us by entering our exile, by becoming one of us, one of the people that rejected him. I mean, that's the point of Luke's history of Jesus' birth, right? That 
when God enters the world, he's born as a baby to poor nobodies in the backwater of the Roman Empire. He doesn't come in a palace. He doesn't come in glory. He's, he's born in a cattle stall and laid in a feed trough. He becomes one of us, not in power, but in humility. He enters into the mass in order to save us. I mean, all, all the glory, all the majesty, the beauty, the perfection of heaven, Jesus left that behind and experienced the exile that is ours in order to bring us back home. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's why the angel can say, I bring you good news of great joy. Because what God has provided for you is not a way for you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and clean up your act and earn your way back to him. No. What, even if we could do it, that's not even what our hearts want in, a, in the mess. I provided a Savior, a Savior who is Christ, the Anointed One, the Lord. Because what we need is a Savior, not, not just someone to reconcile us to God, but someone who can actually change us, someone who could give us a new heart and a new life that actually wants God, that wants that relationship with Him, that can be honest about who we are and what we've done and what we need. Someone who could bring peace to us and in us and through us. And someone who will make all things right, finally. That's that's what Isaiah prophesies about that we're going to hear in just a minute. A child, a child who will rule with wisdom and power to bring peace forever. That's what we need. That's, that's the home that we're all looking for. And because Jesus has come the first time, and didn't just die on a cross for our sins, but rose from the dead to defeat death and to make it possible for us to have the same new life that he has in himself, we can sing that he will come again and that he will spread his blessings as far as the curse is found and that he will reign forevermore with love and peace and beauty and goodness and wholeness, and he will bring about the restoration. A new heavens, a new earth for new people that love and trust and follow him. A home that is shaped by peace. The end of violence and warfare, a home that is perfect forever. And he will bring together all, all who have said, that's what I want. And you're the one that I trust that can provide it for me, Jesus. So that we will be home. We will be one family. Home forever. That's the hope of Jesus. That's the hope of Christmas.